Well, let's do a test. Test, 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 test. I'm actually okay. Yeah, this time I'm it's making me. sure. I'm really in there. <laughs> He's there. I see the I see the little bars. You're patched in. Everything seems to be all right. All right. Yeah, so I guess that is kind of the peril of doing one of these earlier than normal is that we can't we can't do our famous opening segment. Well, you have one over there. What, it looks what like what hops are Sean and Max on? What hops are we on now? <laughs> oh man, Where I think I talked. We, we talked about here? this a little bit in the Discord, but it bears repeating for those of you who don't follow along for the bonus <laughs> written content in the Discord, the Discord yeah. discourse, if you will. There you go. Uh, the Kevin the Hollywood Babylon's been blacklisted from what was it? The Comedy Store? Where were the they? Improv. The Improv. The yeah, improv. Yeah, yeah, they were there for years. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I never saw them. I still have yet to see them live. But they've been. I saw them in the John Lovitz Theater. Wow. The John Lovitz Podcast Theater. The John Lovitz Comedy Club. That's right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Come Podcast Theater in Universal City Walk. Yes. Yeah, that's where I saw them, and I. Maybe I did go to the improv once. I think I saw them at the improv once. It's a. Ter- I think I've said it on the podcast before, but it's a terrible, terrible show to go and see. <laughs> Even as a a fan, as I was in my you know late teens, early twenties, and when I came out here, I was like, oh, I finally get to see this podcast, which has given me all the laughs on the yeah. on my commute to work or whatever. Even then, even completely predisposed to be quite happy to see it. Yeah. Live. It was horrible. It's given me all the laughs. Horribly boring. I gotta go see my old friends, Kevin and Ralph. Well, what you don't realize is the... Because I always found it confusing that they recorded on a Friday night or whatever it was, and then the podcast wouldn't come out until Tuesday or so. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, well, fair enough. Maybe they're, you know, putting in those horrible ads and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I thought it was like for a schedule or something. Like they wanted a release on Tuesday for the network, so whatever. But are mm, they editing it? Yes. That's they are. an edited podcast? Believe it or not, that it, is edited down. It feels like a bootleg. Unless I. <laughs> it feels like. <laughs> unless I just got, um, you know particularly lucky and managed to go to one where they did about probably half an hour more than made it into the show itself. <laughs> but there were, cause there were all these bits where even their sycophantic weird fans yeah. didn't, it didn't land. Oh my God. Especially, Ralph, <laughs> especially Ralph Garman. Ralph Garman would, you know, drop a zinger and no one would really laugh. And then he'd get angry. Yeah. Be like, oh, come on. Oh, what you just got? You just don't know anything about Kim Kardashian. <laughs> oh, fuck you. Yes, and stuff dude. like that. But it, it didn't even get like a follow up laugh. You know, yeah. it would just kind of die slowly. And then Kevin Smith would have to be like, <laughs> Mall Brats. <laughs> the, the Flash. <laughs> the fucking Flash. Oh, yeah, the fucking Flash, indeed. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I keep forgetting that he worked on The Flash. Yeah. Gosh. Like, Jesus. It was terrible. Probably the, so did everyone else who worked on The Flash, the way he talks about it. Yeah. Sounds like he's a fucking absentee director. <laughs> it sounds like he just shows up, like, it's almost like a make-a-wish thing. It's Actually, that might be his joke. Mm. But it sounds like he just shows up and, and like, they just kind of work around I him. I think with those shows, that's kind of what happens, isn't it? Yeah, I imagine like, so. They're pretty much directed by storyboarding and... Then they just hire someone on to sit around and go, wow. I'm going to watch that. I don't want to watch that show. The Flash? Flash. I saw one episode. Yeah, I saw one episode too, and it was terrible. But I've heard that as it goes on, they start, I think it's just more the novelty of it. They throw in all kinds of fucking wacky characters from the comics. I don't think that would appeal to you so much, but. 
You know who It'd be I fun was, for me um, to see Gorilla Grodd in the live action version. Yeah, fun for you. Yeah, exactly. I don't think I don't think we're watching it together. <laughs> no, we won't. I don't think so. Uh, you know who I was kind of surprised to see is a big fan of the Marvel movies, <clears throat> or like the yeah anything to do with Marvel or the new Star Wars shit. You know all that overblown franchise, right? Dime a dozen nonsense now. Stuart Lee. Well, I, I, he's a huge he's a big comic books guy. fan, but you would yeah. think Alan Moore's a huge comic books fan. Well, but I, I don't, don't know think that, he's I don't know that he is. <laughs> <laughs> comic books are bollocks. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm shocked that he likes the movies that much, but I guess I'm also not because I know he loves the books. Yeah, like he like wrote the... like the foreword to something, didn't he? Like he I, like sure, some yeah, kind maybe. of Hulk. Like a Hulk collected edition or something, Stuart Lee wrote the foreword. Like, he, he definitely loves his comics. Yeah, but wouldn't you... I, I feel... Maybe I'm completely wrong, but it He drops obscure like little the, references in his stand-up, too. I, I know he's a, yeah. I know he's a yeah. fan of the Watcher, books. The Watcher, I think he says something about the Watcher. I know he's a fan yeah. of the books, but you would think that these um, movie adaptations are the kind of thing he would not like. Because they're somehow... Well, anything it seems like with him normally anything that becomes you know a little bit popular, yeah, is therefore you know artistically irrelevant. It does seem that way. I, yeah, he's given like he, he does a whole. You should read it. It's on his website. Like a whole end of the year retrospective where he ranks and rates everything he's seen, not only new things but old things as well. And it's every all book cape, he's it's read, all every. Shit. Place he's visited, every meal he's had. Oh my god! And he gives him a rating out of five. Out of his mind. It's pretty yeah. weird, yeah. Well, he uh, got in trouble, kind of. There was like a little Twitter storm in a teacup because, also as part of this retrospective of the year, there's like a a good and bad person. It's like a naughty and nice list. <laughs> and so the good ones are, you know, all people you'd expect, and the bad ones. Also, people you'd expect, although he's thrown, uh, you know, like Vladimir Putin and Graham Linehan on the same list. Okay. Uh, but he also... I assume, I assume that's the naughty list. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be funnier if it wasn't. If he just from Putin. In. No, but he, he also threw in some, like, complete no-name Twitter comedian. Someone who no one knew. Was on the naughty list? On the naughty list, yeah. Did they say something rude about Stuart Lee? Months before, yeah. Wow. And that's the only connection that people could find was that they'd that's said something funny. mean. On- it is kind of funny, but then now this guy is like getting a- all this Twitter hate from oh, Stuart Lee fans. They shouldn't be, they shouldn't I know, be doing that. I know. If anything, because- should, I would hope he would get more popular from that. I mean, I guess he could have. What exactly did he say? It, ironically, I think he was criticizing Stuart Lee for uh, for bullying. Oh, well, that is ironic. And then he puts him on yeah, that list, and then, and then a bunch of mad Stuart Lee fans go after him. Yeah, yeah. so the little storm in a teacup there. Um, what, uh, what was I going to say about oh the, the them getting kicked out of the Hollywood Improv? Or the, oh, the sorry, sick- back to... No, no, yeah, no, no hold on. It, was, it wasn't that, though. It was... Oh, I remember when I was young, I got a box set of... Uh, DVDs and it was like Kevin Smith's Too Fat for 40 special mm. and then it came with two other DVDs one was a, a collection of Smod tunes oh. and the other was just all it said on it was Hollywood Babylon and it was like no menu no nothing it was just one like a bootleg recording practically but officially authorized 
of just one filmed Hollywood Babylon show. Mm. That was the first and only time I've ever seen like video element to that. <laughs> yeah. It makes it work. It's like so awkward and weird watching, actually having to see them with your eyes. Well, I still think it's kind of stupid that a good deal of that podcast relies on like playing video clips. Right. Which you can't see. Which I also, which by the way, I also think they, they still didn't show that on the DVD because it's all like copyrighted shit. Yeah. Which is kind of a big flaw in your podcasting concept, isn't it? I, I've heard they actually, uh, they when I was looking up after you told me they, they got kicked out of the improv, I looked them up and it turns out they're also being sued for infringement because of the uh, their use of the Hollywood logo, the Hollywood sign. Really? You can get sued for that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's true. We've, we've been filming in Hollywood quite a lot and you have to pay it's something like 25 grand if you want to use it. Good uh, God. Yeah. That yeah, it's sucks. one of the most. That's uh, ridiculous. It's one of the that most protected. Not, yeah. Uh, well, welcome to America. You know, Happy I Birthday would, was also protected. I for would the assume time. that's like a public. Is there like? Does someone own the Hollywood sign? Yeah, or uh, uh, a company does. Yeah, wow. they own the the likeness of it. Yeah, it's that's ridiculous. Isn't it? That is absolutely absurd. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but you know. I don't know what era this happened in, but uh, it was a real collision of two worlds. You remember in Hollywood Babylon, especially in the early days, they would talk often about uh, about their sound guy. Oh, yeah. Mike. Josh. Josh. I'd be like, Josh? And then yeah. he'd be like, it's a shout out, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we, got, we read emails from all around the world. Josh? Like that, right? Mm-hmm. So they would always throw to this Josh character. Now... I don't know from Josh, but I do know that, you know, in L.A., in Hollyweird, in Hollyweed, if you will, uh, here where we live, uh, you know, titans of the audio engineering industry sometimes collide. Because I was scrolling through Facebook or Instagram. Josh and Red Band have got together? No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. A bigger titan. Someone whose name we can't even say, for he is too titanic. But I'll give you a hint. Oh, Josh. Oh, I, I thought you were about to say uh, Michael Godot or someone. Oh, no, no. <laughs> close though. I have something on Godot as well. <laughs> but yeah, oh, really? those two were apparently, I don't know if they were actually hanging out or if they just met once and took a picture. Yeah. But one of them seemed pumped to, be, to have made that connection. Fuck yeah, man. <laughs> Josh from taking Hollywood Babylon. Taking over Hollywood one person at a time. <laughs> Toppling the Titans. Oh, man. Jesus Christ. I don't think anything came to the connection. I think they just maybe met and took a picture, but Uh, damn. Sounds about right, doesn't it? I I mean, I I listened to that show plenty and, you know, was probably about as big a fan as you're likely to meet. Yeah. At one point, I could not point out Josh. I I have never seen that person. They must have, like, been introduced or something. Like, he was like, oh, this is Josh. He does the he does the Hollywood Babylon show. Well, well, well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so thin. I guarantee you, Josh knows my name now. From what I've heard. <laughs> from what I've heard. <laughs> Ralph Carmen's <laughs> obliged to report on <laughs> the issues with... Uh, <laughs> We need to talk about Max. <laughs> do, 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 we need to talk about Max today. <laughs> That'd be great, man. That's, that's how you make it. 
That's how you ascend <laughs> to the top of the echelon of. Oh God! I don't even know if we could leave this in. Uh, well, uh, fuck it. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> We're keeping it vague enough. Yeah, sure. the true heads will know what's going on there. Oh. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, the other thing I saw that was fascinating to me was, um, was I, I caught up with, um, you know, when you're driving around as much as I am, you tend to scrape, start scraping the bottom of the barrel in terms of podcasts to listen to. Cause I listened to them in a little earbud. I don't have them on the speakers. Good Lord. Is this like a modern day taxi driver? Yeah. <laughs> That's the monologue. <laughs> when you drive around as much as I am. You really you scrape see, the bottom of the barrel. Like, <laughs> I listen to total shit. Yeah, no, yeah exactly. No, that's exactly true. I've I, long since run I went out and, of good things. I went and caught do. up with uh, this is Penn Sunday School. Oh God, how's yeah. that going? Have, have you heard that he's renounced his libertarianism? Yeah, <laughs> you sent me the article. I haven't. I was looking. It's I was kind fantastic. of trying to scan around and see if there was one titled like. I renounce my libertarianism. Because I think we, um, I think we joked about it on the podcast. Yeah. Like, oh, he's, he's blatantly yeah, just yeah. going to let sell out entirely. Yeah. And, he, and he, has. <laughs> he has. He actually went and did it. I've changed my mind. He's not even saying, you know, like, I, I still believe in everything I believed in, um, but I feel like libertarianism has been co-opted by people I don't agree with. He hasn't even said that. He's just been like... Yep, no, it was bullshit. Ayn Rand's or a cunt. Like, and- or, <laughs> or even, like, he wasn't even, like... You know, I think I think it makes sense, but you know, certain things have shown me that maybe it's limited in some ways. But most of the no, principles I still agree with, but in practice, no. Now it's just like Biden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Promo code Biden. Go take off that Let's Go Brandon shirt. <laughs> I thought it was funny. I'm selling it on my. It's uh... not. And by the way, you're not fucking libertarian anymore either. None of by us. By the way, no. By the way. All his mates are vegan now, too. I know. He's, he's, he's fucking <laughs> he a black. He controls their wives. And they're not allowed to drink alcohol, either. He controls either. their diet. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. No, because, yeah, because he was talking about... What you? By the way, he doesn't sound like this anymore. Now he sounds like this. <laughs> no, it's fucked. I can't even do it. But, like, I mean, honestly, I can't talk, because I feel like my voice sounds really rough this morning, too. It's early, but... It's early. But, uh, it's like, it's like this now. Like, he's like... He sounds like he's, he's on fucking he's death's on a, he's door. On his way out. Yeah, he sounds like shit. I don't know how he still does a show, or I guess he doesn't do a show anymore, huh? I, Have they reopened? I think so. I don't I know. I don't know. I don't know, but he sounds like absolute ass. <laughs> uh, okay. And he's like, and it's, it is the most... Boring. I mean, it's fucking great. But he's not even even feigning energy anymore. He's not even like, let me tell you a story. He's out of stories. So now he's... He was repeating stories within the first year. Oh, yeah. He was like, I know we've already talked about this, but let me remind you of the time that Lou Reed had some stew. Yeah, no. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, now he's literally like, he's like, uh, um, we had... We had vegan Thanksgiving, and uh, <laughs> that's probably why he sounds like shit. He's got no, he's like, yeah, it was great, all the blueberries. But no, because don't you know what? Um, this has happened a few times. It's like this is the whole point of the story was they had breakfast foods for dinner on Thanksgiving. That was it. Oh, so he yes. had just egg 
uh, fucking pancakes and like low sugar syrup or something like that for bre- for Thanksgiving dinner. And I was like, all right, great. <laughs> <laughs> but then he's like, how about you, Godot? And Godot's like, uh, yeah, uh, we, we did a tofurkey and uh, we had turkey for the other people. And uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, what? <laughs> for the other people? <laughs> oh, I'm not a libertarian anymore. I don't allow that. <laughs> You are aware, right, that even having a turkey in the building is damaging for your cholesterol. <laughs> I do wonder, because he, he used to be very... And this I respect more. If you're going to be vegan, be vegan for the animals, because there's not any health benefits to it, really. No, but yeah, he was saying that he made a, used to he make made a big like point. The, like, he was like the worst... Well, fuck the animals, though. It's just yeah, it's exactly. all about me. Yeah, he wanted to be like still cool, I guess. So he yeah. was like, I don't care about animal rights, suffering, or the environment. And I'm like, all right, great. Mm. So you're just torturing so dude, yourself. You might as well use it to yeah. your advantage. Like, you yeah, know, just that's say a, it. But it seems like he's maybe changed his tune on that a little bit because he's talking about like he was talking about how tuna used to say dolphin safe and he thought it was silly that it you know they were killing tuna but they were worried about the dolphins but then again maybe that is him saying that dolphins aren't valuable either i don't know no and also there was like a benjamin well plenty of the penn and teller bullshit episodes where he's like why shouldn't you be able to fuck a monkey like it's fine they're just monkeys i do remember that yeah (laughs) Who gives a shit? Siegfried and Roy are totally fine. I remember Fuck that tiger for attacking him. I remember him it's saying the tiger's fault. <laughs> I remember them saying something Should about be destroyed. Like, we would personally strangle every chimp in the world to save one homeless man who's already dying of AIDS. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> why? <laughs> but you wouldn't pay for his health care. Let's not be crazy. We should be. Able- <laughs> that is a fucking astute point, right? There. I mean, yeah. Like, Holy we shit! We shouldn't be paying for his uh, his Tylenol, but god damn! But or I will some obliterate sort of every that makes him not homeless anymore. Yeah, no, none probably. of that. But we will kill monkeys if need be. We shouldn't take down one golf course to provide some housing for people like that. We need our golf courses. Where else am I going to network? Monkey Tuesday. Monkey Tuesday. <laughs> That's what Monkey Tuesday is. It's, he goes out and kills monkeys. Yeah, Monkey Tuesday is the, the apocalypse. <laughs> but the other thing I always thought about when I heard that is I was like, well, you wouldn't, you fat old man. Like, you couldn't fucking take a monkey. <laughs> a chimp, no less. Yeah, I mean, yeah. chimps are chimps you. mean motherfuckers, man. Chimps will fucking rip your balls. Are you fucking seeing you seen that? Have you ever seen a fucking <laughs> chimp? Yeah, that's the great, that's the new Zizek Peterson. It's Gillette Rogan, <laughs> Gillette Rogan on whether you should kill every chimp to save one homeless man with AIDS. <laughs> Just think about it logically, though. No! <laughs> Fuck the chimps! Get the vax, Rogan! <laughs> Did you hear Rogan's unvaxxed? Uh, I, I didn't hear that, but I, I thought it, he got COVID and was like, I, I meant to. Didn't he say I meant to get a vax and then I like, like I forgot? 
I don't know. Something like that. I like don't know. really like half-assed. I think that he he probably meant to get the vax because someone convinced him to, and then he had another interview before he went to get it. What's someone convinced him not to. What was he supposed to do? Like, if you're the kind of person who, whatever the last thing you heard, is yeah, what that's you're, what you believe. That's now. what you are. Yeah. Then he's like, oh fuck. I mean, Has Penn been on Joe Rogan? He must. have I think at he some eventually point. did. Yeah. But people, it was people were always kind of curious about why they'd never done each other. Because Penn used to make it sound like they were best buds. Who are these people <laughs> that are invested in that? I don't know. Mut- they're, mutual. They're signing a change.org petition to fucking get Godot More on. or less. I remember it being a, you know, kind of, yeah, Godot and Red Band at the kids' table. <laughs> or Jamie, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Jamie. Showing each other their toys. Yeah, it hasn't red pan in a minute, has it? <laughs> no, he's gone as far as I can tell. What does he do now? Like, fuck it, isn't he on, like, Kill Tony or something now? Yeah. One of these other god that, that fucking shite. God, L.A. comedy, huh? But they all moved to Austin, I think. Oh, did they? <laughs> yeah, I think they well, all, all right. uh, They all picked I up I guess and Austin comedy, and... then? <laughs> yeah. Because all the L.A. people were like... It was. It's weird. There's like. Uh, I guess. I guess it just comes with trying to be cool or whatever. But like, it seemed like L.A. housed a great number of like fairly kind of not conservative, but just like kind of tough guy leaning. Like we're road dogs. We're real comedians. We do features and stuff like that style of comedy. Probably more but they all just lived cush L.A. lives and like lived in L.A. Yeah, houses they go and hiking and eat yeah, exactly. And it was yeah. odd. It was an odd thing. But then L.A. also had their whole um, alt scene. They were like the big yeah. alt scene thing. With do you remember when uh, Nerd Nerd Melt was a venue? Mm, yeah. I do. Oh, that was where you could go, folks. Let you me go kids. See Robin Williams would turn up there. Sometimes. Sit down, kids. Let me tell you something about the Nerd Melt Theater. If you uh, have never written a joke in your life, <laughs> <laughs> but you want to get up on stage and be like, um, doesn't Donald Trump remind you a little bit of like Megatron? <laughs> uh, and Satsuma. have everyone and have everyone burst into wild applause for you? Then <laughs> mm. go to Nerd Melt Theater. <laughs> yeah, although I would I would say there's not a huge difference between that and any of the other. Is that what's going on in the venues. comedy store? Look, I don't know anything yeah. about LA comedy. I don't know what's going on. The only, the only comedians I care about are Ralph Garman and Kevin Smith. <laughs> yeah, know. neither of whom have really... Well, I guess Kevin Smith has sort of established himself as a stand-up now. But it's not really... It's the stand-up in the same way that Henry Rollins' spoken word is... Well, to me, to me, I'm just... Well, then again, I guess why would you, right? I was going to yeah. say, why don't they just reopen that Smod Castle bullshit... And if they're that, if they have that, that big of an audience, was. wasn't it on Santa Monica? Yeah, but do you know you, you're probably familiar with the place it was actually in? Where it was in the complex in Santa Monica. You know that shitty little, really? Yeah, like the Sherry Theater, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's like like a tiny little collection of theaters. Wait, the and, whole theater, or just one of no, the just theaters? one of them. What are you sure? Because I'm pretty I re- sure. I recall going by it and seeing like. A big banner and stuff. They must have paid the complex. His, Maybe the complex it, yeah. marquee always has a bunch of different stuff. But I remember this only said Smodcastle. I'm going to be really embarrassed if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. It seems like the perfect place to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's tiny. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's because, like, how much can you really sustain? Yeah. But apparently, even then, they couldn't fucking sustain it. Well, now they're off to, like, the, the Chuckle Hut and. No, North this Hollywood. is they really are. This is what they yeah. were talking about on the on the show is they were like, Oh, we should go he kept calling it the Ho Ho Hut, which is not what it's called. No, the ha ha room or something like that. Yeah. One. It's the right ha-ha. by Tikino, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. 
Is it just? I think it might just be called the Ha Ha. <laughs> but you know, oh, you know, there's a a fucking war going on right now. Oh, really? Yeah. Why? So everything north of Camarillo, that's that's our that's our guys. That's right? your who? That's the theaters. Yeah. Right. Right now, everything directly south of Camarillo is becoming its own little comedy scene. And the and the comedy bar is Tiki No, and the theater bar is Idle Hour. Wait, 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 wait. What? The, oh, so you mean... Because the Ha Ha Hut right. has just... There's another location that just opened up across the street from it that is trying to compete. That old French restaurant oh. has been shut down. Oh, really? And converted into a theater called the Comedy Chateau. And they kept the all like room. no, <laughs> they kept all the fucking things. And if if uh, little Tony's ever does their fake little plan to expand into that car garage next door, did you hear they were going to oh, do that? No, but right before COVID, I was talking to someone at, at Little Tony's, and he was telling me that they were trying to. Um, by this is fucking regional podcasting. Yeah, right seriously. <laughs> Feel familiar with the nine one six zero five? Familiar with like a four block strip? Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, they were fucking trying to expand into like this auto garage that was next door. Oh yeah, and they were going to turn that into a big bar and lounge area. So, mm. uh, little Tony's would be split in half with like bar and lounge and restaurant. Yeah, um, well, it kind of already is. No, it's just one little. It's a little bar though. With like, I think they wanted a big bar area because they wanted to become like Idle Hour. They wanted to become the spot where Tiki No is too crowded and sucks. Idle Hour is too crowded tonight, so we come to the Little Tony's bar or whatever. Right. Uh, But I guess it didn't happen because of COVID. But I'll bet if they do, they what they should do is they should put a little open mic stage (laughs) in the middle of there and have people start doing like their shitty little bringer shows and feature shows and stuff. Mm. Because you know, there's also comedy way out where no one cares about it. They do comedy at the Good Night. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I I feel like, um, granted, I haven't been to an open mic in years now, but I feel like it's Batman. Remember that guy? Oh, that was good. <laughs> That's great. A guy came up on stage dressed in like a shitty Spider-Man costume and just says, "Good evening, I am Batman." Awesome. <laughs> yeah, like he, could leave, he could drop the mic and leave right then. That would have been better than anything else that night. But uh, and then I came up after him and I was like, uh, "Is it just me or are Putin that- and Trump gay lovers?" <laughs> I fucking hate gay people. That's like, <laughs> I'm going to go into an open mic. That's the, t- the actual target. Is. <laughs> is that they're gay? I think they're legitimately a, gay and I'm homophobic. That's a decent joke. Like that, that in itself is quite good. Uh, flip reverse it. I actually miss um, uh, England a little. I, I saw um, a, uh, a news article recently. You get these little local news stories every now and then. And some 85-year-old pensioner had... Uh, a built a scale model of the Titanic. I think he's a widower now and he spent three years building like a, you know, pretty accurate, I guess, scale model of the Titanic. And he's really happy about it. He's done an interview. There's all these pictures of this old fella with his model of the Titanic and talking about how he was doing it to stave off Alzheimer's or to keep himself busy. Really nice. Mm-hmm. The top comment, <laughs> top comment was just stupid old fucking cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. Stupid old fucking cunt. 
this now. I missed what? that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know what I thought was awesome was I found um, – I still to this day don't know how it was found. But David found this guy's YouTube channel and he's not – popular from what i could tell like i thought he was until i actually looked at the view counts and they were all like under a thousand mm. like what the fuck how did david find this guy but it's this old man who lives in buffalo new york and at the start of at the head of every week he sings a self-written parody song <laughs> about how the buffalo bills are going to do well that week in football okay. so he picks it and he calls himself bill's dad right mm. So I found Bill's dad, and I was like fascinated. So then I found Bill's dad on Twitter, and he's got even fewer followers, right? Mm. And then <laughs> the only context you need to know is that uh, there's a wide receiver for the Bills named Stefan Diggs, right? So Bill's dad's tweeting to no audience about like, hope the Bills do well. All he cares about is that he hopes his team does well. Someone – he's got like one reply on one fucking tweet. It's like the only interaction he's ever gotten. And it's a guy with a picture of Stefan Diggs as his prof- as his avatar and his screen name is Diggsy Normus. Uh, um, and he just tweeted, cuck dad. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and then Bill's dad responds and goes, I don't even know what that means, man. You got to take pity on me. I'm an old man. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. Oh, poor Bill's dad. <laughs> Poor Bill's dad getting bullied by Diggsy Normus on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, so that's a kind of roundabout. The fact that it's named after Stefan Diggs makes me think that he's broadly aligned with Bill's dad. <laughs> like they True. both like the same team. But you he see, that's, 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 a more a round, that's a roundabout insult because it takes a little bit of knowledge. Knowing what a cuck is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Stupid old, old fucking cunt. cunt. <laughs> you could be any age and know what that means. I do love the idea that the guy, you know, was really happy to have his mates <laughs> sent the sent the link to all his uh, uh, all his mates in the uh, yeah <laughs> the line dancing yeah. club or whatever. Stupid and the, old fucking cunt. <laughs> stupid old fucking cunt. <laughs> Oh, dear, oh dude. man, I love fucking mean people yeah. on the internet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they really make the world go round. <laughs> stupid old fucking cunt. God wow. damn, that is good. Anyway, speaking of stupid old fucking cunts, I'm. Uh, I feel about well, I'm, I'm getting a little better now, but I felt like I'm about eighty years old recently. Because the day after Max came last, <clears throat> Max having recently recovered from COVID-19, the coronavirus. Now, to be fair, the I did not get the secondary test that shows I'm negative. But I mean... <laughs> <laughs> so it was actually you. Well, the, but I hear, nah, that, I hear that you're not supposed to because it can just stay in your system for like three months. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so it's like, it doesn't really matter. Just wait until... that. They say just wait 10 days until your first symptom and then... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know I didn't get it from you. It was, uh, yeah. I think it was Rachel who, who got it first. But yeah, we all finally got hit with it. The uh, with with the coof. Oh yeah, yeah. Go What's ahead. This? Modern times, yeah. something. What's it called? Sparkle Wolf. Yeah, but it's a yeah. it's a West Coast IPA instead of a hazy, which I prefer. That's right. So you got COVID. <laughs> yeah, we all we all got it, and um, yeah, for me, I thought I thought I was sort of all right because I I got a fever really bad like one night and then woke up feeling fine. I was like, oh cool, that was it, not bad. Um, but then 
A few days later, weirdly, the day we actually tested positive, because we couldn't get tests for ages, um, the day we actually tested positive, I came down with, like, just insane depression. Interesting. Yeah. Was this odd? when I was talking to you yesterday? Because you seemed like a mope yesterday. It's, it's you were like, still going to, on. I'm yeah. sorry to be a bother. I'm like, Sean, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Don't yeah, worry, no, buddy. New, New Year's Eve was ruined by it. Like, I, really? I you were just a mope, so huh? Yeah, but not just, um, you know, not just like in a bad mood. Although I thought it might just be that at first. I was yeah. like, oh, fuck New Year's Eve. But like, what do we have to celebrate? You know. Yeah. But um, no, it was like a physical depression too. Like just complete fatigue. Like yeah. not not being able to like move really. Like having to think. You know, sitting when I'm sitting down, I know I have to get up and go somewhere. Having to sort of sit and think for five minutes about. It's like right. I know I can move my hand, but. Wow. Yeah, like really, really bad, and mm. um, and I learned the that's apparently I'd heard it was a. Like a, a side effect, you know, like a, like a recovery side effect was that you can get sort of depression and stuff. But I was like, well, surely that's more because you're having to stay indoors and mm-hmm. fucking the plenty of other reasons you might get that. But no, I feel like this one was. It felt like my brain had been hijacked by a little little demon. It I think pretty bad. I think that. It, I mean, it. Just about every symptom in the world has been linked to COVID at this point, yeah. including uh, stupidity. Including having a little dick, isn't that true? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not even joking. Yeah, yeah. No, they have said that. Um, but I think that the depression one would make sense because I, I imagine that the mental and emotional depression is a is not directly caused by COVID, but is followed up from your. I think it takes cues from your body fatigue. And yeah, how physically maybe. depressed you feel. So you're just like, uh, and like everything is moving slower and you're not getting mm. anything done and you just feel kind of bad. Well, I read about it. Um, I mean, no, because it sort of came the other way around. Like, I was fine for, I had my fever and then I was fine for about two days before this kicked in. Um, yeah. It's really strange. And then I got like some sniffles too. Hmm. Uh, so it was odd. I don't know exactly what happened. I don't know if it was all COVID or if I maybe got two different, if maybe I got COVID and the flu or something like that. I don't know. It was, I, I know at some point I had COVID because we t- we all tested positive for it, but um, it was really weird. I I looked it up and apparently it's something to do with how the virus uh, can cross the blood brain barrier, and that's how you lose your sense of smell and taste, oh, which I didn't. But yeah, apparently it can do that and cause some neurological things. So like just total fog as well, like not being able to focus on anything and wow yeah i got it i got it i got whacked with that and then like a little bit of shortness of breath too especially yesterday i was like really short of breath but wow. i'm on the mend now yeah i yeah. had a so anyway i guess what i'm saying is uh if if, if you've already got three vaccine vaccines uh get the fourth as soon as you can even if you have to lie about it even i mean honestly yeah just get them all just get, tr- just get, get, get them all va- at once. Get, You're gigavaxed. Have- there's there's a variety of vaccines you can take, and de- it doesn't just stop at the big three in America. Go to other countries. Get the Sino one. Get like, those ones. Try it out. <laughs> Give it a shot. Yeah, you know because uh, <coughs> what's been proven is that two or even three is simply not enough. We're not trying yeah. hard enough. Yeah. Yeah. So, go. What are you waiting for? You don't want to end up like me. Yeah, I'm gigavaxed. You're gigabanks. Yeah. I'm fucking... 
I mainlined it. I should, I caught it into my eyeball. <laughs> Just a drip slowly. Yeah, I, 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 I'm having to get vaxxed like uh, in my eyes and between my toes because I've blown out all my veins from getting vaxxed so much. I have like track marks. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But anyway, that, that was that. Uh, what were we talking about? I, I developed a gigavax. I, I developed my COVID whilst watching the Matrix Resurrections. Oh yeah, yeah. Matrix Res Erections. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Which I'm, I'm, now we're riffing. Now we're cooking. Yeah. No, you, you haven't seen it. I'm sure. And you fuck no. 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 You don't need I, to. I won't be seeing it either. You don't need to. It was incredibly I don't give boring. a flying fuck about the Matrix. Incredibly Never boring. Um, I saw the uh, tragedy of Macbeth. Oh, good. That was really good. Yeah, I liked it. All right, I'll be into that. Yeah, you'll like it. Too. I'll be watching that. Really awesome. Which, well, which is yeah, this is the same person playing all three of them. But oh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, and she's great. It, yeah. I looked her up. It turns out she's some um, British Shakespearean actor. She's very physically strange. Yeah. So she's played. She was apparently the first female to play Richard the Third on the stage mm-hmm. because she can do like that. You yeah. know the kind of hunchback, yeah, type thing. Yeah, she's awesome. She, uh, her name's Catherine Hunter, and by far the best witch that I've seen yeah. from any Shakespeare. You know, it's something crazy. Any Macbeth. I never. I don't think I've ever. I know I've never read Macbeth, mm. but I also don't think I've ever seen an adaptation of it. No, I really. I've never even seen a play of it. Well, I understand not. It somehow play, but... completely passed me by. Hmm. I haven't even seen the Kurosawa movie. Well, Throne of Blood. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Actually, that's not surprising. But, um, it's just—it's odd. I don't know. So do I don't you know, not know how, what the place. I don't really about. know the story. Really? No. You're an English teacher. I know. I know. How do you not? How I know. You're not familiar with. It was birth? a weird set of circumstances, man. <laughs> what you just never watched it or read it? Well, or I mean, it? yeah, that. I mean, it's one. It's just it's laziness. Not that weird. It's, just it's kind of <laughs> one of those things where I was kind of. It always sounded very appealing. It seems like the one that I would like the most because it's kind of like sounds kind of spooky and violent. Yes. And I was like, all right, it sounds pretty metal. Sure. So I was like, I'm gonna wait for like a good, like a play to come around, or like I wanted to. I kind of wanted to see it rather than read it. Yeah. And so I was like waiting for a good version to come around, and then. I guess I just never saw it. I remember there was the one, what was his name? Justin Kurzel yeah. or something? Yeah. Justin Kurzel did one a little bit ago, and mm. that one somehow passed me by too. I never saw that. I think it got bad reviews, so I didn't go. I think it actually got <clears throat> kind of good reviews, but mm. it wasn't. I didn't like that one very much. Yeah. I should have. Everything about it seemed kind well, of Well, because I liked it had an awesome cast. Yeah, and, and you know, he's a decent director. He made it look nice, but I mean, the thing is, you really can't do. Shakespeare very well if you're mumbling like so every every oh, he was doing it in that style it was that style where everyone was just like this oh, yeah that's fun but it's like you can't it's really yeah. you know kind of wordy yeah. dialogue you can't really get but in away a way with I'm that. actually I mean would you consider this a faithful adaptation of Macbeth the tragedy of Macbeth yeah, yeah I think it's the most faithful all right then I'm glad I waited because now I get to see it with Denzel Washington mm. whomst I love. And fucking in this cool black and white looks spooky. It's a Coen Brothers adaptation. Coen um, Brother, Cohen, that's yeah. true. Coen Brother. Uh, yeah, so I'm excited for that. Yeah, it's, it's a good. It's not a bad one to start with, that's for sure. But yeah. it, um, the, the the 2015 one uh, excised a bunch of really good lines and like some of the most famous like little speeches and moments mm-hmm. weren't there at all. Uh, which really annoyed me. I was just like, yeah. you, you can't. 
anyway, but this one seems to have them all in. It does make one plot change, which I'm not sure I'm a fan of. Uh, it's pretty minor, but it kind of annoyed me because I was just like, why, why do that? But, and some criticisms, which I think are kind of fair. It's like, all right, you've got a Coen brother to do this, but the Coen brothers are so known for their dialogue and like their characterization and stuff like that. And it's, to be fair, he's done it very faithfully, but there's nothing Coensy about it at all because it really is just a Macbeth film. Well, yeah, but I think I think that's okay. I, I know it's fine. It's a little vanity so, project, maybe a little bit. Maybe I know it's just fine, but it's to do. just kind of a shame. Well, first of all, I think it's more his wife Frances McDormand's project than hers. I Is think she Lady Macbeth? She, she's Lady Macbeth, okay. and she had played Lady Macbeth on stage before, apparently. And um, okay. definitely, it, it, that would be my criticism of it, just in terms of how it exists as a film. Is it's not something that I feel like the Coen brothers should have on their direct resume, if that makes sense. How's Denzel? Actually, not very good. You know, I kind of heard the same also He's, as, as well, yeah. I'd heard, the, but before I saw it, I'd heard the opposite. I'd heard, oh, Denzel's obviously fantastic. And he has done Shakespeare before. He, he do you remember much, much to do about much nothing? Much to about nothing, Brana, yeah. yeah. With uh, Keanu Reeves He as plays well. Don Pedro. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, and he's acting off of uh, Keanu Reeves' as Don <laughs> John. Yeah. I mean, look, I guess... Keanu Reeves is an affable guy or whatever, but I... He was given roles that he had no... He really to. oughtn't to have been doing that. Same with, like, Jonathan Harker in um, Dracula. He ladies. plays Jonathan Harker in a Dracula? Which one? In Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. Oh, uh, I never saw it. You never saw that one? I don't think uh, I've ever seen a Dracula one. movie, actually. Oh, God, now I've heard it all. I haven't heard Todd Brown... <laughs> I haven't seen Todd Browning's. T- Todd Browning did a Dracula? Yeah, it's his main... Thing. This made the one with Bella Lugosi. It's the most famous Dracula. Todd Browning did that? Yeah, he did that and he did Freaks. I know Freaks is his main thing. I, I yeah. didn't know he did. Mm-hmm. Todd Browning did Dracula? Mm-hmm. Wow, I had no idea. Uh, you haven't seen Nosferatu or anything? No. God almighty. Well, Nosferatu's not a Dracula adaptation, though. Yes, it is. It is? Yes, it is. But they had to change things to, uh, to get away with... Hmm. Um, they weren't, they weren't oh, you know the, what? The Bram Stoker estate weren't I have to. seen a Dracula adaptation. What's that? I've seen the movie Van Helsing. That's not a Dracula <laughs> adaptation. <laughs> Come on! No, no, no. That doesn't count. Who plays Van Helsing in the... Uh... Jack- oh, in... In the no, I didn't. I wasn't asking who played him in the one I saw. I know in the Coppola version. Yeah, it's Anthony Hopkins. That's fun. He's chewing the scenery like fucking no one's business. So it's mad. It's mad. How much? I can't remember. Was it before or after? That's Sense my mom. By the way, that's my mom's favorite Dracula movie. The, the Coppola, Coppola one. one. It's pretty good. It's... She really actually talks about it all the time. So that's that's one with Gary Oldman as Dracula. Yeah, that's she would always talk about that. She'd be like, Gary Oldman is the best Dracula. He's fucking amazing. She wouldn't cuss, mm. but she would she would get excited. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty faithful and uh looks kind of fun. It's fun. It's it's a good one. Yeah, she liked but, it. But uh I don't know how I got onto that. I don't either. Oh, Keanu Reeves bad roles. So yeah. If you guys wa- if you guys yeah. go watch the absolutely wonderful actually much do much about, about nothing by yeah. Kenneth Brana, uh yeah, you'll get to see that that great moment where Keanu Reeves is like, <sighs> I thank you. I am not of many words. But I thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so Denzel, I was expecting to be a bit better. He gets a little better as it goes on, but early on, it's a bit strange. It's almost like he's performing a memory feat rather than acting. Mm. Like he's kind of blitzing through some of the longer speeches as if like 
just about recalling each word, you know. I, mean, I wonder, uh, but, uh, I wonder uh, how uh, much uh, of that is is directing, though. And I, I have a feeling that it must. Have, I'm sure, I think it did get interrupted by COVID. I have a feeling that sometimes the actors weren't in the same room. That makes sense. So, it, especially in some early scenes with him and Lady Macbeth, and Fra- Frances McDormand's fucking she wants another Oscar. I think she's you going. Know, ham. So she's going all that all in on her Lady Macbeth, and so. You know, she's very dramatically, emphatically delivering her lines, and then we'll cut back to him, and he's just like, please don't do that. No, no, man. <laughs> Wait, so, hold it's on. So, Macbeth. Early on. I'm trying to see if I even know through cultural osmosis what it's about. I don't think I maybe even do. Does Lady Macbeth kill Macbeth? No. She kills someone, right? Because she can't no. get blood off her hands. That's like the whole thing. No, no, she doesn't actually kill anyone, but she persuades Macbeth. I don't think this is a spoiler. No, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Don't worry, play. Robert. <laughs> 500 euros. Um, yeah, no, she... Uh, she persuades Macbeth she to persu- kill someone. She convinces Macbeth to kill the king, King Duncan, so that he can become king. She's really? power hungry, yeah. It's the, oh. the, it's the prototypical Ewald. Oh, yes. Oh, uh, yes. She's hypogamous. <laughs> well, Othello. And she actually does that by we attacking... We can learn a lot from Macbeth and Othello. And she does that by attacking his uh, his manlyhood. His manhood. Is, oh, she's like, you don't have the fucking nuts she's to like, kill King Duncan. What, are you some kind of fucking cuck? Do <laughs> <laughs> you want to end up like that more? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, so she uh, does that, and then she gets all fucking... She goes all mad about it. But there's witches and all? Well, yeah. I mean, the witches are the the... the Seers, they're the ones who actually fuck everything up in the first place mm. because they it, the, the place starts with them sitting around going, What should we do today? Oh, I know, why don't we tell Macbeth a bunch of prophecies so that he'll go and do them all and fuck everything up? For but himself. they're all fake, no, they're they're true, but oh. then I, I guess oh, you're so kind of like to Macbeth is kind of it sounds like Macbeth was Shakespeare's sort of play on Oedipus. Well, not really. Is like, it like it, someone trying to avoid a prophecy and they end up doing it tragically? No, no. He's oh. trying to fulfill the prophecy oh, because he misunderstands it, kind of. Mm. So they sit around going, all right, let's go, and, let's go and chat with Macbeth. And they go and find him on the battlefield. And they say, basically, uh, short, long story short, oh, you're, you're going to be king. But uh, your mate Banquo, he won't be king, but his sons will be. Take, you know, do with that what you will. <laughs> and uh <laughs> Macbeth's like, what the fuck? And then like a couple of other things they said came true quite quickly afterwards. So he's like, Oh fuck, I will be king. Yeah. And he tells his wife, and his wife's like, Well, fucking what are we wasting time for? Go kill the king so you can become the king. And he's like, Alright. Goes and does that. And then he becomes king and he's like, Well, uh, what did they also say? They said that this fucking my friend he he won't become king, but his children will, so best uh you know, best stop that. Uh-huh. So he has his friend killed and the child gets away, huh? And uh then he's just going mad, he starts seeing his friend's ghost, uh Um and then I don't know, they, they he he has another encounter with the witches and through some kind of vision uh it says no man of woman born can harm Macbeth so he's like alright cool uh but it turns out anyway long story short it turns out the the person who ends up killing him uh was born from a cesarean section loophole Mm. so he wasn't born of woman 
because he was untimely ripped from his woman's from his uh, mother's womb. Oh, okay. And that's kind of the end. That sounds interesting. It is. I mean, there's more to it than that. That's a I'll very watch short it. version. I'll certainly. Wa- I mean, I'm, I was going to watch it anyway. But yeah, yeah, it's worth I, watching just for the way it looks. It looks really I good. honestly, yeah. I mean, boy, oh boy, I, uh, I really, yeah. My Shakespeare is, uh, it's shockingly lacking. Really, it's much more lacking than it's not. I guess what I mean is, it's more shocking that it's lacking than it is shocking that, say, I've never seen a David Lynch movie or something based on you mm. know some things like you would expect. I would have know I've read more Shakespeare. I would have thought so. Yeah, but you know, it's uh, you know, you get into college and you get to choose your path, and my path didn't have a lot of Shakespeare on it, and it was. I think I was just around the time when he was not so much required anymore. Have they stopped kind of requiring it? Well, it was... This this is what I said when I said weird weird circumstances. Because I seem to recall that in my upper div, you, like, had to take one of two Shakespeare classes. Like, there was, like, a two-part Shakespeare course. Mm. And I seem to recall that you had to take it, but I definitely never took one. So I don't know what happened there. How strange. I don't know how the fuck I graduated. Um, But certainly in, in high school... The only Shakespeare I read was um, I read Romeo and Juliet, mm-hmm. and then I read Hamlet. Yeah, I think that's it. That's, and then, that's about normal, though. And then in college, I read uh, King Lear. Uh huh. Okay, so you've yeah, that that's a decent amount. I've read Much Ado, but that was on my own time. Yeah, I've read. Uh, I think in school we only yeah. did two or three. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, just, well, I, I grew up in England, so yeah, I assume most you guys of the did. time you just see the plays. I assume you guys did the complete works. No, not <laughs> yeah, an enormous body of work. No, but you see the plays. You're even you know. reading the old, like the fucking historical ones, like fucking Henry VIII or whatever the fuck. Like. Henry the First. <laughs> well, no, isn't, aren't there like many, He didn't many... do a Henry VIII. Maybe not. Uh, he wouldn't have been allowed to, I don't think. Oh, shit. No. Well, he was working for the queen, who was uh, uh, Elizabeth, who was his daughter, right? I don't know. So, yeah. No, I don't think that would have gone too well. Uh, But, yeah, Henry V and stuff like that. I I love the Henry V Kenneth Branagh movie when I was young. So I know that one pretty well. I know, uh, again, like I said, growing up in England, though, they would just be in theaters all the time. So you would see, and you'd always see good, you know, quite good actors doing it, too. Like, I've seen Patrick Stewart do Prospero and The Tempest a couple of times. Oh, yeah, I read The Tempest. Yeah? Okay, so you've read enough. Um, I saw Jude Law doing Hamlet. There's some big ones I'm missing, though. Uh, I've never read. Such as Antony and Cleopatra. Yeah, I never read that. I did read Julius Caesar. Macbeth, obviously. I've never read I've never read Macbeth. I've never read Twelfth Night. Oh yeah. I've never read A Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh really? Dream, That's your I, probably most up your street, I think. Yeah. It's all Walsley. But I have seen multiple odd productions of it mm. that I don't think I really fully was able to follow because of the directing. You're talking about Joss Whedon's one? No, no, he did a much ado about nothing. Oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, yeah. no, I'm talking about Brandon's one. <laughs> Brandon did one. Yeah, Brandon and Zombie directed a Midsummer together. Oh, and I don't remember that. Brandon openly admitted that he was like, I don't know. I wasn't really going toward the script. I didn't really even really understand the script. I don't mm-hmm. like Shakespeare. I was just trying to make it visually interesting to distract from the words. Right. And I was like, Well, that's good, Brandon. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's probably not the best way to tackle Shakespeare. <laughs> Um, Aside from words, there's not much else 
So the, I watched uh, I watched his version, but I obviously had very hard time understanding it. Mm. It was also an all female cast, which was hard to follow because well, they didn't dress up of... to distinguish each other. Like it was literally like an all female cast, but they were all wearing like just kind of normal nondescript clothing. But also in the midsummer in the midsummer night stream, aren't there a couple of jokes where like a man has disguised himself as a woman? Exactly. That's why it How was so you, fucking confusing. Yeah, that would really confuse well, I know me I know that too. happens in Twelfth Night. It happens in a lot of shit. It's like yeah, this big running I, joke. It's like, ha <laughs> could you imagine? I know that it I do know that in Midsummer Night's Dream, what I've gathered and then I also saw another production of it that was in the pack patio of Idle Hour. Mm. With no mics, oh, so people were, yeah, people were going around shouting yeah. the words, and I was still trying to follow. No, that's I, I saw a couple of those; they're impossible to follow. Uh, so basically, what I found was uh, it was like it appears to be about a bunch of actors, like a troupe, mm. and then uh, they're going to mount the a uh, play. Wait, so, are, you, are you talking about Midsummer Night's Dream? Yeah. Okay. This is what I've gathered. Why, why, <laughs> why are we talking about it? Because I want to know how right I am. I honestly don't remember Midsummer oh, okay. Night's Dream Those of you out well, there can write so in. You probably know about it. Here's what I, I think do. it is. I think it's about a troupe of actors who are trying to do a play, and then there's a bunch of fairies who are kind of interfering with them in a very much ado about nothing style where they're like, oh, let's fucking make them think they mm. like each other and this, that, and the other. And then uh, it's a bottom into a donkey, and then that happens, right? And yeah. then I think that, but then I also think that at some point the the same spells start happening on the fairies because you have like there's like two oh, whole God, stories going remember. on in it. There's like Oberon and Titania and all this shit. Anyway, well, impossible to follow. <laughs> <laughs> the worst was I remember in. Um but for my GCSE exams, which in England you take when you're about 15, um, I had to answer an essay question uh, describing the jokes in uh, – I can't remember even what it was. But yeah, the, the question was basically like, explain, take some examples of some jokes from this play and explain why they're funny. And it's like – Oh, great. They're fucking not. Like, Shakespeare's <laughs> not about funny. Like, How about that? They're not funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny. Like that, Unless you are – Bowled over laughing at the idea of a man disguising himself as a woman <laughs> twice. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what they kind of <laughs> want. Oh, I mean, that's the worst. Watching watching live productions of Shakespeare in England, there'll be some old couple yeah. without fail nearby who know every word, <laughs> and oh, they're yeah. either repeating it as it's going along yeah. or like laughing far too hard at these stupid little jokes that yeah. Shakespeare would throw in. <laughs> Imagine a nymph with the face of a. <laughs> oh my god! You know so what I used to always hate, though. Oh my god! I don't know if this happened. We're the same age, so I don't know if this is a trend in England. But I remember certainly when I was like in high school, or even even probably all the way up to college. Unfortunately, the very clever thing to say, the very like prove that you're quite smart and well read thing to say was people would when you brought up Shakespeare someone would be like well you know Shakespeare was very dirty he was very bawdy and Shakespeare is so funny because his plays are quite filthy rude, they're so yeah exactly and I was just like shut up they <laughs> even if that's true they probably weren't that bawdy by the standards of the day and even if that's also and even if they were I don't give a fuck 
<laughs> like, shut up. <laughs> They're not body by today's standards at all. There's a uh, there's a cunt joke in Hamlet, which uh, yeah, literally it'll be like, still oh, shocks you people. Remember what the fucking nurse says that uh, Juliet has a lump on her head as big as a testicle, and I'm like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Shut up! If someone, like, if someone said that today's like, if you were watching a movie today and someone's like, "You got a lump on your head the size of a testicle," no one would be like, "Oh!" No, we'd be too shocked and appalled. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I'd be losing my mind. Oh, and then the other thing is, people love to tell you about how, oh, you know, at the Globe Theater, they were fucking fucking and vomiting on each other in the audience and. <laughs> And there was like murders being committed in the pit while the royals watched on from the high seats. And I'm like, I don't know how true all this is. But the main one is that Shakespeare didn't actually write his plays. I, don't, I never heard. I've heard that. I did, that wasn't the popular thing to say, though. I didn't oh, find. No. Oh, no. I heard that quite a lot. No. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Do you agree with that? I don't think that's true. I have no idea. I think the yeah, that's true. I also don't know enough about like the historical <laughs> I mean, records. It's fine. Like, I'm not upset to think. All right, there was a bloke called Shakespeare who wrote these plays, and if it turns out there wasn't, then it's like, all right, so some other some. They other are. Book. I mean, they are all quite. I guess <laughs> it is it just matter. is it just that people are like, he, it's too good and he's too prolific. Because I'm like, look at uh, you know, look at we have a lot of people like that today that blow the mind. Like, look at uh, you know, Louis C.K. <laughs> He's too good to too conceive of. <laughs> yeah. No, I was trying to think. Uh, I mean, you know, actually, you know what? By the way, a little mm. mini review because I didn't even actually finish it or even finish the first episode. But if you go on Netflix, you can watch uh, the extended version of The Hateful Eight mm-hmm. split into four hour-long parts. I, I know. It, Although it's not extended, really. It's much better. No, it's not. I thought it was. Then again, I, I was only I watching the first. I watched the first forty minutes. But <laughs> how it, was it better then? I you just didn't even see that, one of them. I just thought <laughs> you didn't that even see a whole one. You I, just watched the first forty minutes of the movie again. No, I'll tell, you, no, no, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because the things that were cut out. Because then I went and watched the original one and kind of scanned through it to see like where did he cut stuff out. Not much. It's, it's not well. At that least much in the longer. first, it's. It's like 20 minutes longer no, in total. No, it's like 40 minutes longer. No, I don't think so. I think so. The Hateful Eight was what, three hours? Three hours and 20 minutes? Uh, is I don't this is a solid four? T- it's not four, though. A lot of it's recaps. <laughs> 30 minutes. I'm not joking. <laughs> they have like, a voice? long recap at the beginning uh, of each. Uh, yes. Previously yes. on uh, The yes. Hateful yes. Eight. Uh, yes. All right. Uh <laughs> That's exactly what happens. I, I watched it too because I know, wanted to watch. The last episode of The Hateful Eight reminded me of this uh, '60s Italian movie. Yep. <laughs> you, you don't want to be interrupted for my impression. I'm just saying that no, it's not not better. And it's so disingenuous that you know that he was saying and it was it really always should have been like no it shouldn't have been <laughs> it like, should have you made a fucking no, movie no it should have not only that you uh, no, him, and that, okay. him and that movie I will so always say <laughs> no listen like, he, okay. he he wrote the script for it <laughs> yeah the script leaked and then yeah. he threw his toys out of the pram and was like well, I'm never gonna make it then and then like a month later he's like I'm hosting a live reading of the entire script yeah. Uh, Smart. Getting a whole cast, a whole Hollywood A-list cast to come and read it with me, and then he did it, and then he made the fucking movie, and then after he had, after he made the movie and got Oscar nominated, and I think won a couple of things, then he's like, well, you know, 
it always really should have been a Netflix show. It's like, no, it shouldn't have. It was a movie. You made a movie. Oh, I don't think. I mean, it's not like framed like a show. It just looks like a movie. They split four, into parts. Uh, why split it into four parts? Because it's in acts, like all his fucking movies. Like most movies are in acts. It doesn't no, mean that he, you need to he, separate them. No, he distinctly segments his acts. Well, yeah, with title in a cards stupid and stupid way where he's like chapter two. It's like, yeah, he did that with Kill Bill too, I, I and mean, he that, did it. I think he did it in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood too. Oh, At the very God, least, there's yeah, a part possibly. in the middle where he comes in. He's like, uh, so uh, <laughs> I actually hate that 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 is a trope in filmmaking where they're like <laughs> chapter two, part two. Shut up. I know what you do. I actually remember this, this is a very early conversation we had because really? I, I said something about like, oh, are you ever going to do Santu Chapter 2? And you're like, I would never call it Chapter 2. Chapter 2. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Volume 1. I mean, the, I just saw a movie uh, from from last year starring Nicolas Cage called Pig. I don't know if you've yeah, heard yeah, about yeah. that. It's been getting some it's good reviews. Getting, it's been getting a lot of good reviews and it's fine. Is that the one where he's protecting a pig? Yeah, there's one called Lamb and there's one called Pig, and I haven't been able to sort out which is which. Well, Pig is the one with the pig in it, and Lamb has a lamb in it. I bet. I mean, are they both about someone protecting an animal? Because Not- Lamb looks like it's about a. Because the cover is her holding mm. a, a, a so, lamb. So you assume? Well, that means it's a movie about someone protecting a lamb. Yeah, I assume since, so. <laughs> since they're holding a lamb. <laughs> No, I haven't seen Lamb for myself, so I can't say. Although I, I kind of, I think I know what to expect from it. Um, no, Pig is uh, Nicolas Cage, and he's just. Uh, dis- I don't know how much is a spoiler. I don't want to ruin it for Rob. Rob, is that what Rob. we're calling him now? Yeah. <laughs> no, the character Nick, Nick Cage's character is called Rob. So oh, anyway, I see. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he uh, he lives like a recluse in the woods with this truffle. Sniffing pig, truffle finding pig, and he loves this pig, and then the pig gets kidnapped, and he has to go and figure out what happened to it. That's the short story. There's a lot more to it. It sounds a bit like John Wick, doesn't it? I was going to say. <laughs> and it sort of, you know, is in some ways, but no, it changes. It's, it's fine. It's not great. Nicolas Cage is really good in it. Okay. Uh, but that does the same thing where it separates it into fucking parts or chapters. I'm just like, this it can be effective. Stupid. No, when? I'll tell you when, because it, for me, if they do separate it into chapters, it has to be justified. Mm-hmm. Like, the chapters need to, like, have a big time jump or start picking up with different characters or something. It gives me a moment to reset and go, okay, now we're starting a whole new story, basically, that will probably weave its way back into the one we just saw. I think it works in Solo. So I can, like, kind of mentally reset. It works in Solo. I don't remember it. I don't remember it in Solo. What is it? In Solo, it's circles. It's like the circle of blood, circle of shit. Oh, no, it's circle of blood's last. Circle of manias, I think, is one of them. Yeah, okay. That makes sense because that's how the Libertines have structured their time there. Yeah. They're like, right, first we'll do this. Yeah, yeah. they got we'll a schedule. That. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. For 120 days, you know, they got an yeah. order of service. Yes. Yeah. So I think that's fine. So that works. Yeah, that's all right. I think I don't know. I, th- I feel like this is an unfair. I think it's a perfectly acceptable device. And Not when you're just randomly I, throwing in a title card. And- when I'm selling my screenplay, chapters, volume <laughs> two, part one, <laughs> appendix, appendix A. <laughs> That'd be awesome if they start having footnotes in movies and appendices. Mm. Mm. Actually, yes, I, I'm, I'm getting annoyed with that in books too. Footnotes with footnotes and stuff. Oh, that's cute. 
It was cute, like a cute when little it was device. Done, you, you know, decades ago. Yeah. Actually, no, it was fucking done. The Tristram Shandy book has that. Like yeah. that joke is. It was done in the first, arguably, or one when of the, the first foot, when the footnote is like three quarters of the page. Yeah. Or stretches yeah. on for pages and pages. Stuart Lee does it in his fucking books. Like, yeah. it's not, it's not new or cute enough anymore. What are be... you? Re- are you reading Infinite Jest or something? Like, where are you? Where are you? Where are you I've being bombarded a, with this a ton of times? I mean, uh, Terry Pratchett's books. I've got a couple of them right there. They're, they're I was wondering what those, these yeah. little fantasy looking books you had here were. Yeah, they're old ter- Terry Pratchett books. Mm, yeah, these are nice. These are yeah, these are corgi. Fun, fun covers. Yeah. Oh, the color of magic. That's the first one in yeah. Discworld. Yeah, but Discworld is very loosely connected, right? It's not. Yeah, it's not no, one story. It's just in the same world. Yeah, you can jump the, all and around. Same and characters, stuff. but yeah, I don't think you need to. I mean, there were like forty of them or something. I've read like three, so I can't tell you. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a big. Uh, I was never a big Terry Pratchett. Uh, Did you read much of him? No. Well, that explains it then. Well, you know, you know, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Because I might actually not be a big Neil Gaiman head. Mm. Because the only thing I've read by Terry Pratchett is Good Omens. You've read Good Omens? Yes. It's good. It's fine. It's good. That's it, a good book. It felt like Douglas Adams, but less funny. Mm. Yeah. And well, that was kind of like the little... I started reading Color of Magic and I kind of fell off it. Because again, it, felt like, it felt like Douglas Adams. Uh, it's like that that very like uh clever narrator which I generally like and and enjoy but something about it just felt a little too close to like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I think or even I'm that right. Dirk Gently's holistic detective agency. I, I think I'm right in saying that Terry Pratchett predates Douglas Adams and I think was actually instrumental in convincing him to write the book well, Hitchhiker's shit. Guide because it started as a radio well, Douglas thing. Adams did it better. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's hard. To, it's hard to be Hitchhiker's Guide, but I haven't yeah. read many other Douglas Adams books. I think he only wrote the other two. He wrote five in the Hitchhiker's Guide yeah. universe, mm-hmm. and then yeah, I know he's done a couple of others, but I never read them. Have you read all the Hitchhiker's Guide books? No, just the first one. Oh, they get they get good. I mean, the first one's good enough. I, I the didn't... first one, the, <laughs> the first one is still probably the best one. Yeah, uh, the middle. Probably the middle one is the worst one. Number three. That was one that diner at the end of uh, that's number two, and that one's still pretty good. Mm. It's at least the concept of it is really fun. Just like the idea of the restaurant at the end of the universe, where they're all just watching the world end over and over. Mm -hmm. Um, That's like a fun concept. The one in the middle, I literally don't remember what happens in it, Uh, but I do remember that I like looked up something about it. Cause I was like, why does this one feel so weird and different than the others? And apparently it was like a working, a reworking of a doctor who spec script that he had written. Oh. <laughs> and so it's like aliens coming to, it was like, it was just whack. Yeah. And then, uh, I think it's so long. And thanks to the fish, which is the fourth one, mm-hmm. which is like, that's the one that I seem to recall is very depressing where the main guy, he like goes back to earth and he like meets a girl and like falls in love, but they're like the only two people on earth or something like that. And I think they learned to fly together, but then like at the end of the book, she's just blinked out of existence because they correct the timeline or something like that. It's really spoilers. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Come on. I'm trying to, um, me and my wife are reading a lot together at the moment because um, do you read out loud to her? 
Yeah. That's very yeah, that's a nice romantic uh, bonding thing. It's not even about it being romantic. It just kind of forces us to do it rather than, you know, just uh, trying to find time individually to sit down and read something. It's also it's, romantic. It's a nice bonding thing. Well, yeah, sure. Yeah. But it's not about... And you guys get to keep track of the same story together and like... Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, I used to do that with Shannon. But it's mostly a case of... Uh, you know, like Rachel, I don't, I don't think she'd mind me saying this, but not a big reader, really. Sure. Like a lot of things she missed out on, like things that I kind of assumed everyone had read uh, or was familiar with. So it's, so it's nice to go back and do some of those. Uh, so a lot of short stories that I know were, um, you know, like everyone's read The Lottery by Shirley Jackson, right? Mm-hmm. But Rachel hadn't. So I was like, oh, let's do that. It'll take 20 minutes. I mean, know? I've – I meet – on a regular basis, I meet groups of 30-plus people who haven't read The Lottery by Shirley I thought Jackson. everyone did it in school. I, I thought it was one of those. Uh, not in high school, apparently. Hmm. Maybe not anymore. I don't know. I thought it was yeah. kind of required reading type thing. Yeah. It's cool, though. It's a cool story. Yeah, it's good. But uh, You know, it's a fun debate if, you ever, if you're ever uh, in a class for some reason. A fun debate is to be like, what... If this is a social commentary, which I'm really not even sure that it is. The lottery? Yeah. Come on. I mean, but how? What do you mean, but how? What it's all exactly about small-town American but what reliance is it? on tradition and not questioning it and just saying, is that well, this, it? Is the way we've already, this is the way we've always done things, so not not being able to conceive of not Okay, doing I get it, that. I get that yeah. element. That's absolutely it. That's why it, got, it, it was controversial, too. People were no, like, no, no, of course, of course. But I guess what I'm more interested in is like... Isn't it implied that their process, their lottery process, actually works? Like it actually does yield a good harvest? They think so. Oh, so we're meant to. Im- I guess that's there's true. nothing actually. We're meant implied. to infer that we're meant to infer that it's just a coincidence, and they've just always thought that that's what causes it. And actually, I mean, we just because I guess it. what I guess what I was thinking was I was wondering if it was supposed to be some sort of allegory for like. We could sacrifice a certain class of person that is arbitrarily designated in order to make the rest of society more prosperous. No, but you I, think it's more a satire of just tradition. I, I think it's just yeah, I, okay. myopic. I think I would American agree with that. Towns. I would agree with that read. I think that's a stronger reading. I also don't remember anything specifically about it bringing a good harvest. I think that's conflated from other things like uh, the Wicker Man or Children of the Corn and Maybe stuff right. like that. I don't think they actually mentioned. We just read it again. I, I don't think there's I haven't anything read it for a solid. When did COVID start? <laughs> I haven't yeah. read it for a solid year, two years. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's anything about that. I think it's just it's even more simple than that. It's just oh, here's what we do, and yeah. they're talking. You know, you have these little conversations that go on throughout the whole thing. While it's happening, while they're doing the draw, yeah. being like, you heard that this fucking town up north has decided not to do it anymore? Like, yeah, I remember that. Crazy? Isn't yeah. that fucking mental? What are they thinking of? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's quite effective in that way. And yeah. also probably written around the time where, you know, lynchings and stuff weren't too far in yeah. the history of some American small towns. So, yeah, I, I think it was perfectly good. Oh, um, I think it's great. No, okay. I was going to the thing I was going to say is one thing that one popular conversation that seems to get spurred from that is like sort of what what social structure in particular she is taking her kind of lens on because they are effectively kind of a communist sounding place like they all work together they all have assigned roles they're like this little communal 
Yeah, uh, but I think that's just small town. I don't think that's necessarily that's anything true. to do with yeah. you know, any particular political system. Yeah. I think, I think it's really just about small-minded, you know, yeah. small... Not just small-minded, but like reliance on oh well, because this is the way things are, then mm-hmm. that's the way it is, regardless of how. I think there's been some is. readings of it, though, especially with it being a lottery. You know, some readings of it as being like a kind of a capitalist parable, with the yeah. idea that like you know the lottery, like the so-called economic lottery, like you're either born into fortune or you're born into poverty, and that kind of determines your fate. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I think there is one one of the older fellows says that he survived 72 lotteries yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And he, I think, if I've, if I've read it correctly, he's sort of implying that that's because of, you know, his, his hard work or whatever, yeah, yeah, even yeah. though it's yeah. total luck. Um, him being more worthy than others or whatever. I think, you know, it's crazy to think about that I didn't learn until fairly recently. A lot of great uh, 20th century literature that we hold up now as literature, like this is worthy of study. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That literature with a capital L. Mm -hmm. A lot of it was published in magazines for profit, which Mm -hmm. I think is very fun. Like in the 20th century, there was this big boom in literary magazines. The short stories. Uh Um because you don't have that anymore. There's no industry for short stories anymore, really. The New Yorker, I think, publishes a short story every so often, and that's about it. Well, with the internet, you don't really exactly. Need it, but yeah, but I like H.P. Lovecraft, all mm. that shit was written for like Weird Tales Weird magazine, Tales, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like The Call of Cthulhu. We read one of his to um, Pickman's model. Mm. One of my favorites of his. I don't know. I don't know a lot about him. I've read The Call of Cthulhu, and I've read, which is long as hell for a short story. Oh, really? Oh, it's like well, fifty pages. I don't. Yeah, lengthy. <laughs> okay. And it's got one of those old timey, like fucking romantic Victorian, like framing devices of like it's someone talking yes. about discovering someone yeah. else's thing that tells the story of mm-hmm. this. Uh, which makes me want to fucking. I'm just like, come on, man. Oh, it's, no, come on, that's fine. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, why not? But chapter breaks. <laughs> that's fucked up. Well, don't read Dracula, <laughs> that's then, because that's all Dracula is. In a book, you uh, can have chapter breaks. I mean, that, sorry, that is the place where... That is the place where that kind of... Exper- that kind of use of... Uh, that, that formal experimentation. Yeah, is, is fine, there. You know. Um, it's when a book... When a film pretends it's as, as worthy as a book, but... But yeah, what's no. the other? He, he's got a very famous short story. It's the only I've only read two of his stories. It was that one, the Call of Cthulhu, and then he's got another really famous one where it's I can't remember what the fuck it's called. Uh, it's like someone Shadow of Rensmouth is pretty famous. No, it's like it's something like there's like this monster. It, he doesn't know he's a monster, but he's like he's been like living in a fucking dark cave his whole life or something like that. And he goes and he sees other people and they all react to him with horror. And then he looks in a mirror and he realizes he's deformed or something like that. Uh, no, it's been a while since I've read it. That, that's else? a combination of a few. There's Dagon. The, 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 not Dagon. Um, Dagon was a movie based on it. There's, there are a lot which, which have to do with the same kind of thing. 
Like Shadow of Rinsmouth is where a guy goes to a weird place, a weird town, weird seaside town, and yeah, this then is, starts to kind of This is kind of into... atypical, I think, of his normal style, which is why it's weird that it's like the one that's like the most widely canonized. I think it's only just canonized because it's short. It's really short, but it's like this one is narrated in first person and it's like most not, of his are. And the narrator is not normal. Like he's mm. not he's not someone who wanders into something else. It's uh Oh, it's called The Outsider. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember the one And it was first published. They kind of blend together a little bit because Here a lot it is of on Wikipedia right similar. here. It was first published in Weird Tales, April 1926. Mm-hmm. A mysterious individual who has been living alone in a castle for as long as he can remember decides to break free in search of human contact and light. The Outsider is one of Lovecraft's most commonly reprinted works and is also one of the most popular stories ever to be published in Weird Tales. Mm. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. But there's another one. I can't abide that story or or the call. I, th- I just find him very boring. Really? Oh. He reminds me a lot of Edgar Allan Poe. Who I think was probably yeah. a huge influence on him, but I also find Edgar Allan Poe yeah. quite boring. Oh, see, yeah, I disagree with that. I, I think Lovecraft's really good. Uh, there's a lot of um, that's why it's hard for me to remember which specific book referred to which specific thing. He's got like a if you want to talk about like a an extended universe, the Lovecraft extended universe is pretty incredible. Yeah, see, I never got into all an that. entire world because I can't well, penetrate the prose. It's not difficult. It's not difficult. It's fucking gruesomely tiring, though. Oh, I don't know. It's just too long, man. Can't take it. I'd rather... I'll say this. I'd rather read Edgar Allan Poe. But I will also say this. For as many people know and love Edgar Allan Poe, I wish they were reading Nathaniel Hawthorne instead. Oh, really? Why? Because they were contemporaries. So what, you think Hawthorne's... But they're not doing the same thing. Yeah, they are. Oh. Hawthorne did shit like that. Hawthorne did like Rappuccini's daughter, which was kind of like Poison Ivy. You know, it was like some bitch with like plants growing out of her and stuff. Yeah. It was cool. That's a really good one um, that I only I discovered him like last year. Uh, is it Robert Matchin? Matchin? British guy. Um, Herman Melville? Uh, yeah, Mo- that Moby shit Dick rules. is not the same as you don't read it for the same reason. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. I'll tell you what. If I've been really trying, I've been trying for years to read this book, and I've still not managed it. Um, uh, Ulysses, James Joyce. No, I never read it. It's so difficult to read. Yeah. It's you know not who read it? Fun. David Dickens. Yeah, who loved it. Yeah, I bet. but he's he's got a read. He's got a reading method that I think is uh, not probably not the same as yours and mine. Which is I, I read in huge bursts. Like I'll not read anything for a while, and then I'll read like uh, yeah, a I'm bunch kinda, of books in a row. Kind of the same. He is very methodical, which I think allows him to tackle very difficult books. Because like he re- literally read Ulysses like I don't even think it was a chapter. I think it was like five to ten pages at a time, mm-hmm. and then he sat on it, and then he came back the next day and he sat on it. It took him like a year to read Ulysses. I remember yeah. as he was reading it, it took him forever. But he said, he said when he got me a little yeah, bit. Yeah. When he got to the end, he was like, it was crazy. He was like, it's the best. He was like, he said, I think he thinks it's like the best book he's ever read, maybe. A I, lot of people do. And yeah. I, I I get it. Like It's definitely well written and it's fun and like kind of interesting. But it's very, I, I'm, yeah, maybe I'm kind of like you. It's like, I feel like if I, I, I need some kind of, I need to feel like I'm getting somewhere. Yeah. 
um, in order to keep going, you know, or like wanting to find out what happens next. But in Ulysses, it's a lot of it is just like, all right, well, this is well written. This is good. Okay. Oh, blah, blah, blah. It's like being on. It's like being on some kind of roller coaster. I just don't read. <laughs> I just like, don't no. read anymore. I'm over books. Mm-hmm. They suck. Well, <laughs> it's good you found yourself in the profession. You're <laughs> I don't read literature anymore. Really, I read nonfiction now. I don't have time for uh, fiction. I no, just... no, it's the opposite. It's that it's that nonfiction is easier to read. Mm. You know what I mean? It's Sometimes. easier to read and not it's always. easier to understand. Yeah, no, the type I read, the populist nonfiction. <laughs> I'm not reading like uh, I'm not reading like phenomenology of spirit or mm. being in nothingness. I'm reading like fucking uh, you know, the history of salt. My mom mm. just got me a book for Christmas that I almost can guarantee I'll read because I know it'll be so easy to read called The History of the World in Six Glasses. I'm like, this looks fun. There you go. Where Your mom knows you well. It's about the popular <laughs> drinks that informed each time period. It's actually a pretty good concept. Did your mom's card with that for Christmas be like, hey, man, this is some boring shit. That Here's I know some you'll dumb like. shit that yeah. I know you'll like. Just fucking fat. Fat. <laughs> Too fat. Parentheses, fat. The okay, body just says fat. <laughs> no, yeah, it's... Uh, Scrolled on every page of the book. Yeah, for Christmas, my mom got me this book. She got me that, and it was... Uh, it's fun. It divides... And you know what? Actually, I read the intro already, and it, it might be... I might be in for a slightly more... Um, I don't, want to, I don't want to say intellectual, but I'll say a slightly <laughs> more rigorous. Like, it seems like it's written by a real historian uh-huh. rather than an alcohol enthusiast. <laughs> because he's basically talking about, like, how interrogating the drinks is a really fun nexus point of all sorts of different historical areas of study. He said something like, it's like, it's, it's the nexus point of... Uh, Power, agriculture, commerce, trade, like all these different things that all kind of come together. He said, if you just start looking at what people were drinking, who were the people drinking what and why they were drinking it. So he divides the world into world history into all these different eras. And it starts with um, beer with the the Mesopotamians and the Egyptians. Then it goes to wine with the Greeks and Romans. And then it goes to... Um, uh, what what comes next? Enlightenment, maybe. Something? I gotta be honest. This sounds frightfully dull. No, it's really interesting. Have you read it yet? Well, I got a little bit. <laughs> I got a little know. bit into the beer chapter. It was interesting the way he talks about beer and how different it was back then. Like about how like in uh, in Mesopotamia they kind of accidentally discovered beer. But the thing about beer was that it, it was really easy for them to make because the crops that it was made from were abundant at the mm-hmm. time. So and and could be stored, and then they could store the beer. And uh, they said that with beer, you had to drink it with a straw back then because it had shit floating in the top of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty fun. All right, I actually got you a book for uh, for Christmas slash birthday. This counts as both. Oh, thanks. Yeah, one second. Let me get it. I f- keep forgetting to give it to you. One okay. second. Here you go. Gift unveiling on the pod. Yeah, I hope you haven't got it already. It seems like the kind of thing you might already have gotten. Let's see. Uh, this. <laughs> So I've only just realized it has an introduction by Louis C.K. So you can tell that this was published uh, pre-2017 anyway. <laughs> uh, it's called Mindsploitation, Asinine Assignments for the Online Homework Cheating Industry by Vernon Chapman. 
Oh, our boy, Vernon Your boy, Chapman. Jonathan Chapman. Now, what he's done, I oh, believe... Oh, I, I bet I would guess. Can I guess? Try and guess. I'm going to guess, based on Vernon Chapman's record, mm-hmm. that he has gone and found a bunch of those websites that offer to write your essays for you and given them absurd prompts. Yep, that's it. And then stolen their work and profited from it. Well, not exactly. Well, I, yeah. I mean, he paid them. The, <laughs> he paid them the hundred dollars or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like he did with his porn thing. Yes, it's very similar to that. Oh, I've this heard sounds it's great. Excellent. This sounds great. I've heard it's incredibly funny. So you see his. Uh, I flipped through it. You see his communication with them uh, as well, like mm. you know his back and forth and giving them notes and stuff, and then you get to read the final product of each one. Already, I mean, uh, off the top, it's funny. They. Uh, Oh, never mind. Well, he gives at the very beginning. He gives a, uh, a special thanks to all the companies, um, yeah. And a lot of them are, you know, probably don't probably even speak English. No, no, no. Oh. I mean, he uh, look. Go to the one of the first pages. You're going to see a big uh, list of uh, logos of websites. Oh yeah, I see. Right here, yeah. <laughs> the author would like to thank the following horrible companies for assist- assisting in the creation of this manuscript. Oh, that's fun. Uh, let's read. Let's just for a sample. Let's read this first one that he sent out. Yeah. You have just to, his letter. I'll are you going to read his missive yeah. to them? Yeah. Assignment okay. one, personal tragedy. Uh, dear essay helpers, I need you guys to write a, write a essay for my personal journalism in 21st century heart song class. <laughs> it's a fairly standard EDPT, and in parentheses, emotionally devastating personal tragedy, in parentheses, essay assignment. Uh, and then... Here's the uh, it, I, here's what his prompt was in italics. Movingly explore the deep psychological scars, intense emotional trauma, fruity philosophical insights, and sneaky hidden fees of losing a loved one or family member to the ravages of dame death. Parentheses, <laughs> the same fate that awaits us all lurking neath every shadow. Bah ha ha. In parentheses, in quotes. And then it says, it goes back to his voice. Ew, right? I volunteered to... <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. So he's sending this yeah. to a. To be clear, yeah. he's sending this to a an online company which claims to write essays to for write a cheating essays company. For you. Basically, yeah. yeah. Ew, right? I volunteered to write about the death of my beloved grandma, Vase, Grace Von Chuby, before I realized I am just too dang heartsick to scrape together enough cold-eyed eloquence to earn me more than a C plus. <laughs> Parentheses. I'm going for an A on this. M dash as a tribute to her gentle face. Parentheses. <laughs> So I'm calling in you guys to do it. A few details you got to know about her for the essay, Colin. She was a cruel woman, but short. She always... She always used to tickle her 18 kitties till they collapsed into spastic piles of hysterical laughter. This was how she made her living somehow. Maybe through tips? Write about how she could make anyone smile or breakfast with just a $5 bill or some eggs. Legend has it she once killed a duck with just a pack of cards, a peanut, a stopwatch, a blowgun... And a hammer. <laughs> it has parentheses. It has it had waddled into her rose garden and greedily eaten a cherry pie she had set out to cool on the edge of her lip. 
Also, she she and then it just turns into gibberish, and then it says, "See, I can't write about her. It's too painful. <laughs> you guys do it. Cook up any other particulars you fancy. Just make sure the essay becomes mankind's most profound statement concerning the frightening specter of every child's looming oblivion, reflected in the glassy, lifeless eyes of his elders. And try not to use the c word. If I get a good grade, I may use the essay with a few tweaks as a eulogy for my other grandma, Ruth de Tooth, who as, as who as as luck wouldn't have it, is in the next room dying of chili poisoning as I type these <laughs> hallowed words. Gracias mucho con carne, Vincent Chapman. That's brilliant. That's great. Thank well, you. This no, is lovely. Well, no, you got to read the. You got to read what they send <laughs> on the pod. All right. Let's yeah, see. go on. Like All we right. can't have okay. that set up without okay. some kind of payoff. Well, they they first respond and they say. Reorder 2734. Dear Vincent Chapman, we are pleased to inform you that your per- that your order for custom writing services for the topic personal tragedy essay for journalism class, open parentheses, private reflections on the death of my beloved grandmother, close parentheses, has been confirmed by essay helpers. You should expect you should expecting delivery of the completed essay by Friday. You have unlimited free revisions. Essay helpers. All right. Um Dear essay helper, re re. Uh, dear essay helpers, awesome guys. I look forward to checking it out. I can't wait to read the essay and find out what emotions my tragic loss has caused in me. In fact, when I told my, <laughs> in fact, when I told my other grammars, my Bubby Ruth de Tooth Chapman, <laughs> that I was paying you to compose this essay, she got so worked up that she just sorta passed away. <laughs> so- <laughs> So I'm pumped that this one stone will be de- will definitely be the demise of a duo of our fine feathered and bebeaked friends. Translation: Look out, two old birds! I got me a rock to kill both of you with. I scored a twofer. You're literally saving my life, and by life I literally mean ass on this Grammy. And then with a restricted copyright sign, Grammy is looking down her nose from heaven on you, Vincent Chapman. Okay, and then it looks like I wonder if they edited this down. Uh, it's, it's really short, but here's the essay. Personal tragedy essay. Human relationships are always strong with the near and dear ones. I, example, have close affiliation and emotional attachment with my... Oh, wow. These these are fucked up. I, example, have close affiliation and emotional attachment with my grandmother. I never thought that she would leave me in this way because I always found her quite close to me, rather side by side everywhere. (laughs) She remained in my senses. My grandma died of Alzheimer's disease at 73, where, as the person gets older, he forgets all that he left behind. All the cherished traces of life's leftovers are washed away in the back of one's mind. She was very nurturing. My memories of my grandmother include her either cleaning the house in a skirt or cooking also. (laughs) (laughs) This is right up your alley, too. (laughs) All the broken English stuff. She She always mad people laugh with her senses of humor. She would always yell at me and say she would hit me with wooden spoon. I could talk to her about almost everything. What the fuck? (laughs) In its benign days, I thought it was just a normal thing with her as she used to forget my name, thinking that all people behaved that way. Gradually, I realized that this was not the case and my nightmare came true when she was diagnosed with the disease. I feel lucky to have had the experiences of serving my dearest grandmother and to have all of those sweat memories. What? Oh, sweet memories. memories. (laughs) Okay. My holiday will never be the same without her cooking Italian. The time that follows seeing death can be filled with a stunned belief 
What? The time that follows seeing death can be filled with a stunned belief, even if it is not until later that the emotional feelings reveal themselves. Some people need to actually see the body of the deceased in order for the death to register. <laughs> My goodness. The loss of a loved one is an earthquake that fracture our emotional landscape. Although death is the most permanent loss we face, there are other forms of loss that can be devastating as well. The most common for children are moving and divorce. When adults move to... What? <laughs> When adults decide to move or separate, after gradually adjusting to the transition, children have no choice but to accept their decision. And that's the end of the essay. <laughs> but I think he responds to them. <laughs> oh, yeah, he does. Yeah. Hi, my writers. Great job. Killer first draft. How did you know my grandma used to hit me with wooden spoon? I still, spick the, I still pick the splinters out of my deformed cheek to this day. Your essay was so touching to read. It felt like she was there hovering over me. It was as though I could feel her hot gray breath on my neck. Thank God that turned out to just be big guy, my pet chipmunk, perched on my shoulder, panting into my mouth. Yuck. Okay, I just fed him a whole bunch of mints. He ain't breathing at all now. <laughs> I suppose he'll never breathe again. That's on your hands. Only a few tiny problems with the essay. My grandma, Grendel, we used to call her, and then in brackets within the parentheses, mention it, did not, did not die of Alzheimer's. I don't know where you caught that rubbish. Everyone knows it's not a fatal disorder, just degenerative. Heck, maybe you've got Alzheimer's, huh? Though if you do, I'm sorry, because it's no laughing matter in parentheses. She was, in fact, killed by being slammed into by a speeding bus. She would have survived, but it hit her right in the body. I did... <laughs> I do believe the elderly disoriented bus, bus driver suffered both Alzheimer's and eczema. So I guess in a way she did die from Alzheimer's indirectly. Ha! Huh? Anywho, could you redo it? Put in the part about her getting creamed by the bus. All right, let's follow it. Put in the part about her getting creamed by the bus as it he headed towards Disneyland. The irony is, even before the accident, Grandma Grendel resembled a shoe full of cream. In even better news, my mom gave me the go-ahead to use this essay as my other grandma's eulogy, but I'll need the new rewritten draft, ASAFP. Services are Sunday, but I'm not going to even peek at your new draft until I'm up at the podium during the funeral reading it aloud so it feels natural and so I'm not bored. Can't wait to read it. This is going to be dope. Sincerely, parentheses, psyched, in parentheses, Vincent Chapman. P.S. I can tell your parents are divorced. Also, I missed a small detail. In the second letter, his name is Vincent Chapman instead of Vincent Chapman. Uh, dear Vincent Chapman, we have or Vincent Chapman, we have successfully gone through the changes suggested by you attached as your updated paper. We hope that you've enjoyed our service. We will be looking forward to see you once again. All right, let's see. Oh my god, it goes on for a while. I don't know if we want to read all of this. On the <laughs> uh, oh no, it's, it's just a <laughs> yeah, little just bit more. more. Okay. Personal Tragedy Essay 2. Human relationships are always strong with the near and dear ones. They kept the opening line. Yeah. I, example, have close affiliation and emotional attachment with my grandmother. We used to call her Grandma Grendel. I never thought that she would leave me in this way accidentally because I always found her quite loving me. My grandma died in a bus accident at 73 where, as the person gets older, he forgets all... How do they add the typo on the second giraffe? They should <laughs> 
older, he forgets all that he left behind. All the cherished traces of life's leftovers are washed away in the back of one's mind. The bus was headed towards Disneyland. She was very nurturing. <laughs> my memories of my grandmother include her either cleaning the house in a skirt or cooking also. She resembled cream in a shoe. She always... <laughs> <laughs> she always mad people laugh with her senses of humor. She would always yell at me and say she would hit me with a wooden spoon. I could talk to her about almost everything. In its benign days, I thought it was just a normal thing with her. She, she used to forget my name. That's all the same. Uh, I feel lucky to have had the experience of serving my dearest grandmother and to have all those sweat memories. My holiday will never be the same without her cooking Italian. The time that follows seeing death, it looks like it's all the... It's all the same, except for those like few sentences they added in. <laughs> and then finally, he says, Hey, guys. So the funeral service was the most balls-out, tasteful <laughs> affair I ever saw. <laughs> Not that it was a competition, but I pretty much won the whole ceremony when I stood up and read my essay, Wink, your essay, which everyone thought was so moving that some people actually started moving out of the room. I probably to go buy tissues from the tissue stand I set up in the lobby and then in parentheses $4 signs and an exclamation mark. I took the liberty of covering the back of my neck with scotch tape this time before I read the essay, so I wouldn't have that creepy dead grandma's breath on my neck sensation again. <laughs> I should have done it before I got up on the podium to speak, but everyone just watched with their jaws respectfully hung open as I did it. <laughs> Once I started reading, I killed. I hope you don't mind, but I added a smidge to your words on the fly. Threw in a couple dozen limericks to break, <laughs> <laughs> to break the ice. <laughs> and I could... <laughs> And I couldn't resist. <laughs> and I couldn't resist whipping big guy out of my slacks pocket <laughs> to do a couple tricks: the shimmy, the mashed potato, the primal scream, etc. He's sure starting to rot. <laughs> Later at the reception, free shrimp in parentheses. One told guy, one old guy even glared at me like he wanted my autograph, <laughs> but he was. Glared at me like he wanted my autograph is awesome. But he was so nervous to ask that he dozed off in his wheelchair as I was telling him a little bit about myself. So I just silently signed his breasts and pushed him away to preserve my mystique. But listen, your essay was so emotional that I'm worried about whether you were going to be okay or if you needed to rap about your feelings. I can tell that my that the divorce put you hit you pretty hard so just know that i'm always here for you okay for rapping i have no one else in my life so it's really no trouble please reach out to me please you're all i've got <laughs> and that's the end of the correspondence yeah, well, that's beautiful that's very well done yeah that is and you know what i should take back what i said about vernon chapman because most of the humor comes from him from him yeah from writing the letters yeah, all yeah. right hold on i'm gonna piss real quick oh yeah okay Happy birthday. Oh, well, that's... All right. Thank, that is a lovely gift. Thank you so much. No, sure. Now, where's uh, where's my one? Well, it's in the mail. 